You are now in tune to a 726 studio production. <laughs> yeah, let me stop my shit. Yo, what's up? And welcome back to another episode of Planet Josh. Today, I have a guest with me, current Taoyan Pilots player, averaging 17 and 11, a man who does a little bit of everything on the court, Mr. Jordan Tolbert. What's up, man? How's it going? Well, that's good, man. I appreciate it, man. I'm honored to be on here. For the listeners, I just got to say shout out to this guy right here. I remember it was back in like late November, somewhere there about. I hit him up. I was like, yo, I want to have you on a podcast so we can talk about different things. And it was like, no hesitation. He was like, yeah, sure. Just let me know when. But ever since then, I've been caught up with a lot of different things with the podcast, with school, with everything going on. And he was the one to hit me up and be like, yo, are we still going to get an episode done? And, you know, I appreciate that. So here we are. Yeah, no doubt. So tell us more about yourself, man. Like, give us a little introduction. Uh, okay. I say uh, I'm from Fort Worth, Texas. And I don't like usually people, people kind of always ask you where you're from, but I, I don't really like to. I don't like to leave with that because I always be focused on where I'm going rather than where I'm from. But I'm from uh, Fort Worth, Texas. And man, I just kind of grew up kind of with like a double life uh, as a going to public school and then transitioning, going to like private school and high school and college. It just kind of shaped me differently. It, it showed me a different side of life. A little, a little diversity in there. So most people know you as a basketball player, but I don't consider ourselves as human beings to just be one dimensional, you know, everyone only sees what they want to see, but we have so much more things going on. So outside of basketball, what are some, what are some labels you would apply to yourself? Uh, I would say, I want to say dreamer cause I like to manifest and stuff, but uh, I just don't want to let my inner child die, man. So like, Everything is like a hobby until you start getting paid for it. So um, I like to continue to learn new things and like practice new skills. Like the older I get, like when we was in school and we was young, we was always encouraged to like keep on learning and keep trying new things. But like as you, as you get older, uh, like people don't really encourage you as much to like continue to try different things. So I kind of have to keep that going myself. So like, you know, they always like to say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Man, I, I believe you can teach an old dog new tricks if he's willing to learn. But that's just the way they try to program us. Right. So since I mentioned you're a basketball player, let's talk about that journey just a little bit. What made you really get into basketball growing up? I was just tall, man. I was always tall, taller than everybody. Um, somewhat athletic, like some, I had some kind of control over my body. Like everybody don't know how to control their body. I kind of knew how to control my body a little bit. Um, and I just had like a, a work ethic, man. Like my work ethic always stood out in sports. Like I was, I wasn't never the, I was never the most skilled, you know what I'm saying? I was never the most the strongest. I was never the best shooter, best ball handler, but like I always had work ethic. So once I found out that that was my skill, I was like, all right, like it's always going to be somebody that's better than me or something. But like, I just had to be the best version of myself at what I'm good at. So like my work ethic is kind of like what I hang my hat on. And that's, that's kind of what's, what's gotten me here and, and it helped me like 
sustain my career, you know what I mean, over the years, because it's so, it's so hard, man, like being overseas and just, you got to be really, really mentally strong to play basketball overseas, man. It's a, it's, it, it'll break you. It'll break you. It'll make you, it'll make you question, like, if you really want to do this, if you really want to play basketball, but uh, mental endurance is kind of my strength as well. I mean, at the end of the day, right, the quote always goes, hard work beats talent when talent fails to work hard. Because I feel like a lot of people, when they have that talent in them, no matter what it is, it could be sports, academics, whatever it is, they slack off and just expect that, okay, because I have this, I already got you beat. Right. But the other man that doesn't have as much talent as you, if he puts in the work, goes the extra mile, He's gonna pass you at some point. Yep. Yes, sir. No matter how long it takes. Like, and I, and I try to not, uh, it's very, very hard to, but I try to never compare myself to nobody. That's really, really hard. But uh like it, and when you play sports, man, like they always try to say, well, like, oh yeah, he played like this guy. Oh yeah, he, he's he's a he's a poor they say like he's a poor man's. Or they do, you know what I'm saying? They, they kind of label you like that. Like, um, but I always try to not compare myself to nobody, not try to, like, obviously it's like players that I admire and stuff like that. But the way I just look at it is uh, I don't even really, I don't even really take too much thought into the wins and losses because, like, I'm, I'm, I'm really playing for, like, just longevity. You know what I'm saying? Like, Kobe in his last years, like, they didn't have no chance for the playoffs. But, like, it, everybody respected him every time he stepped on the court. So I'm just – I'm really just playing for longevity. That's, that's a, like, a victory in itself. And I think that's, like, one of the most important things is, like, you know why you're doing what you're doing. You don't want to compare yourself to others, and it's kind of hard not to because, mm-hmm. well, I mean, you're, you're a bit older than I am, but when you're growing up, more often than not, your parents will look at someone else's kid and be like, why can't you yep. do this like that person <laughs> over there? And it's like, it, it gives you an unnecessary pressure on one hand. And also, it's kind of toxic, too, because they're only seeing what that person is doing. Like, let's say, for example, it's grades. They see that, oh, that person has better grades than you. But they don't know if that person is copying in the class and you're actually yeah. earning your grade. They don't know the full story. But from a young age, we're already pressured with the comparisons with other people. And it's like, you never run away from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't fault parents because I feel like they just try to motivate. They try to motivate the kid by, yeah. by any means. I understand like what they're trying to do. And uh, man, that's hard. I try, I try not, I try not, man, to like fault parents, man, because they be trying, they try to do their best. But yeah, that does. It does suck. And like you say, like when they don't actually know that other kid that they comparing you to, it's like, like, like you said, that person might be copying. <laughs> you don't even know. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I agree with you, right? No, no fault to our parents, but the, the method in which they try to motivate you is not necessarily the most ideal one. Definitely. And so like, it, it's stuck in our mind where it's like, every time we do something, we unconsciously compare ourselves to someone else. Just like where we're going in life, you know, like you said, you're not thinking about the wins and the losses. You're thinking about the longevity and what's not. And 
even with you, with your starting up with basketball, you're just a tall kid. And, you know, if you're there considering, oh, I don't have as good handles as this guy. My shooting is not as good as this guy. You're just bringing yourself down. It's hard to run away from the comparison. Uh, man, I love uh, Matthew McConaughey. You know who that is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was like, man, he just compared himself to who he is going to be in the next five years. So like every, I'm probably saying it the wrong way, but basically like he was just always looking forward to who he would be in another five years. So he wasn't comparing himself to nobody but himself. Yeah, that's the one time I feel like comparisons are fine. It's like you look back at where you were five years ago to where you are now. Yeah. Then you see the changes. Then you think about what changes you want to make the other five years down the road. That one is like the best and only comparison you should be making out here. Yep. So, so you get into basketball, right? And mm-hmm. based on my little, what I found online, it's like you went to two different universities. Why, why was there a change in the, in the senior man. year? Oh man. So I have like, I don't really like regrets, bro. And I'm, and I'm getting, I'm trying to get better about this, but, uh, yeah, so I played three years at Texas Tech, three different coaches. Um, and, man, it was just like, it was such a good time. It was such a good time. I had such a good time there. They had got Tubby Smith, you know what I'm saying, who was a proven coach, won the national championship at Kentucky. Uh, they got him my junior year. That was also the time that, like, my dad had died the year before. And I just had, like, a lot of, like, family situations going on and, SMU was like right there and, and right by Fort Worth, so much closer to home. And Larry Brown was there. And at the moment, like I just I, I figured that it was like the best decision for me to go there and uh, play with uh, Larry Brown for one year. So it wasn't like, OK, I got to get out of this nah. team. All right. Just nah. to make sure, because, you know, a lot of guys, they transfer to get in a like a different role and what's not. But yours was more like personal stuff. Yeah, man. I ain't never, I ain't never really been like nobody to just jump ship. Like even like we was losing at Texas Tech. Like we was losing, you know what I'm saying? But you build a house from the foundation. So like it was building, it was building. Like when I left, they went to the NCAA tournament the next year. And like if you look at them now, like they they have one of the best arenas in college basketball. Um Mark Adams was on the staff when I was there. He's the head coach. The coach before that, Coach Beard, was the one who recruited me. So, like, seeing it, man, it's, like, it's nostalgic to see where it is now, knowing that, like, I was there when, like, we was last placed in the Big 12. Like, we won one conference game my first year to see where they are now. It's just like, man, like, it's bittersweet, man, because I it kind of makes me – wish that I would have stayed and just rolled it out. But but then again, like, even at SMU, man, like, I wouldn't be in Taiwan if I didn't go to SMU because Larry Brown was going to come and coach in Taiwan, and that's why I came here. So, oh, damn. Well, it, since I was going to ask that anyways, but since, since we're on the topic of that, let's get a full rundown of the whole Taiwan situation. Right. So, uh, yeah, like I say, um, the Dreamers, they were going to hire Larry Brown as the coach. Coach Brown called me. Uh, you know, he asked me, like, if I wanted to play. I said, hell yeah. You know what I mean? So 
I signed and but I think it was for health reasons. Like his family didn't want him to leave the country. He had coached. He, I think he ended up coaching in Italy that year, but he didn't want to, uh, his family didn't want to want him to leave the country again. So he ended up not coming. I stayed and played with the dreamers. I played five games before getting cut. And uh, yeah, I got released. Uh, so I didn't really have, like, I, I kind of had a bad taste in my mouth about Taiwan. Um, but I came back the next season and I played in SBL and just had to like remove like so much of the emotion about it, man. Like at the end of the day, like people forget that like, this is, this is business. This is men's basketball. This is business. This is not like participation. This isn't, this is not like a camp. Like this is business. Like these people, like these coaches and players, like they got families, they got wives, kids, everything is on the line, you know? So. Like you really have to like remove the emotion from it. You have to just remove it. It's very, very hard to do. It's very, very hard. That's why I go back to like saying that like it'll break you. And like if you don't have like mental endurance, then like you you won't really last that long. Uh so once like I, but I had got cut already. So I was just so used to it. Um and I just like, even in, in the SPL, we lost our first 10 games. We won one game and then we lost another nine games. But uh, just like how I talk about longevity, it's my approach. My approach every day was just like, you wouldn't have thought that we lost because I just showed up every day like it was another day. Like I showed up ready to work, ready to practice hard, like regardless of the wins and losses. It's, it's the yeah. cuts that, that they hit you deep. It's all about how you bounce back. Ah, oh, man, they make you, ah, oh, that the cuts are the lowest of the lows, man. I got cut in. G League twice. I never, I never made the G League. I got cut right at training camp twice. Kings and the the Legends, the the Mavericks G League team. And I got cut from Taiwan, and I just kind of felt my career going down, man. Um, I stopped playing, got a regular job, and then I got I started playing like some men's leagues tournaments. There's a whole lot of men's leagues tournaments in Texas, and I just started playing like men's league again just to. Just no pressure, you know what I'm saying? Like, as an athlete, like, people put so many, like, expectations on you. Like, so many expectations. They put expectations on you that they won't even do for themselves. Facts. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I had to just, like, I had to find if I still loved it, like, myself. Like, I didn't want I didn't want nobody to kind of force me or, or, or tell me that I needed to do it. I had to go find the love for it again. And I did. So... It's, uh, it's, it's been a journey, man. It's been a journey. Coming off being cut, going back to finding your love for the game, you said you mm -hmm. come back out here and you're hit with, what, a 10-game losing streak. 10-game. It's, like, it's like you're going right back down. It's like it, it, it really messes with you because, I mean, I think a lot of people will probably look at players and it's like, okay, you're getting paid to play. Sure, you might be losing, but at the end of the day, you're still getting that check. But yep. if, you, if you love the game, it's like, you know, I, I can't go down like this. So how do you, how did you like make it through that really bad losing streak? Man, I heard this the other day. Shout out to Coach Johnny, man. Johnny is, Johnny's just been so instrumental to my career, man. Like coaches are, coaches are kind of a cheat code for players. Like we become pros and like, we think we know it all and shit. We always, we always challenging the coaches and shit like we feel like we know we can do their job better than them um but just 
trusting the coaches. Like, you know what I'm saying? He kind of explained to me exactly what the situation was going to be like. And he was like, man, the best thing you could do is just like, I'm saying, show up. Like, however you respond, however you act, that's how all the other players going to act. So just be positive. You know what I'm saying? The youngest team, everybody kind of, everybody expected us to, to not do well. But um, now he just told me, like, keep a positive attitude, keep a positive attitude, keep a positive approach. Um, and uh, it, it, it turned out well. We, we won nine of our last 11 games. We didn't make playoffs. We kind of didn't go out on a losing note. It's hard when you're a pro to, like, have a relationship with a coach because it's so much business into it that usually you don't have a relationship with your coach. It's just, you know, player coach. But um, we was all kind of in that same boat of, like, being the youngest team. So everybody kind of had to help everybody. And uh, Johnny, Johnny just kind of made it a little bit easier for me. Everyone had to pull their weight. Everybody had to pull their weight. Now, the crazy thing is y'all didn't make the playoffs, but technically you did. That's funny. That's funny, man. I did. I did. <laughs> so how did you end up making that transition at like at the end of the season? Um, so it's just like uh like it's just a contract. So once your contract is up, like they don't own you. So you're basically a free agent. Um Rakeem Christmas was he had already had like a pending injury and uh he didn't like he didn't want to like risk hurting himself by playing. So he basically just told them, like, like I'm not going to make it through, through the playoffs. So they signed me as his medical replacement. That worked out for you? It did, man. Like, I wish we would have been able to play, continue playing. But, yeah, we won, we won that one series against uh, Taiwan Bay. And then COVID hit, and then they shut it down. Damn. I know, I know that sucks because you technically didn't win and you didn't lose. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, keep going. What's it been like being in the P League now? Um, so don't really bother me, man. I got my basketball philosophy round ball, round hole. But uh certain people, how would I describe it? Like um there's more eyes, there's more cameras. Like certain people that that kind of like bothers them. But so it's like more media coverage. They stream the games on YouTube. Um, it's more coaches. It's uh, sometimes the staff can't handle the amount of players. It's just kind of like lack of resources. You know what I'm saying? Um, but man, at the end of the day, it's just it's round ball, round hole. Uh, certain so so Taiwan has this thing where they can uh, naturalize a player. So typically, a team has three imports. Two can play at one time. One can play in the fourth. They can kind of sub back and forth, but only one can play in the fourth. Yeah. But uh, Quincy Davis, for example, is naturalized. So that's like them having three Americans in while your team has two Americans in. And it's just kind of like an advantage. You know what I'm saying? It's like a little cheat code. It's a little cheat code, man. And that shit makes a that shit makes a difference. (laughs) You can be in the best shape, like. They just throw a fresh, they just gonna throw a fresh body in there at you. And it's just like, what the fuck? Like, what do I do? You know? So it's 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 in numbers. I'll say that it's, it's strength in numbers. This season hasn't necessarily been smooth sailing for you guys. Mm-hmm. 
what's your mindset going forward towards the end of the season right here? Um, I mean, I was just yesterday, man. I felt like I was about to break. Like, the thing about, like, it's always this debate of uh, potential and, like, experience. And people always kind of say that experience is going to beat potential every time. And it usually does. Um, so just the thing about, like, if your team is young, then your team is kind of like betting on potential. You can look at NBA teams that get like high draft picks and they really have high expectations. And you don't necessarily know like if it's going to pan out and they kind of like tank or whatever. But the best thing, the best thing that I can do, man, is just my approach. So like my approach, man, like going in the gym, going to practice every day, like, you know what I'm saying? Interacting with my teammates, as long as that stay positive, as long as like my effort on the court, you know what I'm saying, continues to, you know, just just get better and I continue to play at a high level, like that's really all I can do. I can't really control the outcome, but that's that's what I can control, like how I approach the situation. You know what I mean? It's like you if you don't understand something, it's like you're afraid of it and it's a little more difficult than it actually is until you understand it. And then you're like, okay, well, I, I think I can endure this now that I, I have some understanding. So like you said, like I have a little bit of an understanding of what's going on. So it's not as difficult, but it is <laughs> in the heat of the moment. It's, it's hard sometimes, but uh, I think I can handle it. Clear to see that, like you said earlier, it's a round ball, it's a round hoop. And one thing that never changes is that it's also mental. Oh, yeah. So speaking of mental stuff, I know you're someone that's very, how to say, open about whatever is going on with you mentally based on the fact that you have your podcast that's 100% focused on just that, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And so what made you really start to get into like the mental aspect of life? Because, you know, more often than not, most of us come from backgrounds, from communities that we tend to disregard our mental health. Kind of stigmatize it. Yep. So what made you really get into all of that? Shout out to my man C Dot. Um, I, I was at my producer house and he had a uh, so Charlemagne the God. He wrote two books about mental health. One of them called Shook Ones. One of them is called um, Black Privilege. And in Charlemagne's book, he has uh, like doctors. He has doctors break down and explain like these different clinical diagnoses. And when I was reading them, I was like, damn, okay. This is what I maybe I was dealing with or suffering uh, at the time. And um, like right at, right around the same time this has happened, uh, one of my boys said out to Smitty, he was like, you know, this guy, I wanted, he'll do an interview with you. Like he, he wants to interview you, like he'll do it. And I went up and I did the interview thing. And I was just like, damn, like, like a, a voice is like very powerful, like just a, like a voice. So think about like some of the most, known voices probably try to think man like everybody knows Shaq for having his deep voice and they kind of say like the that the ball bounces on the words when Shaq speaks like he got that deep slow voice um Dick Vitale uh there's so many people that like we recognize them for their voice you know you understand what I'm saying yeah 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 um and like when I was like when I was young like I, I couldn't really like speak that well I had to take a speech class and uh, I took a speech class at Texas Tech and like once I kind of understood like the power of like your voice and like having a voice, 
that's why like so many people don't like speak up about their mental health. Like their family have like stigmatized it. So it's like, oh, you know, they, they don't think this is important. So let me like, let me tone it down. Like, let me not say nothing. Let me be quiet about it. You know what I'm saying? But if like, if your family was like encouraging you, then you would like, you would, you would speak loudly about it. You know what I mean? But I just got to a point to where my purpose, it don't necessarily have to do with my family. I don't necessarily have to do with my job. None of that stuff. It's like, uh, I try to say it's like a, a world thing. It's not like a color or a race or nothing like that. It's just a, it's a human thing that everybody goes through like ups and downs. Um, and it's, it's like, it's nonstop. Like it's never ending. So like if somebody is a celebrity or they famous, they're like, they only just got more problems. The more famous they get, they're going to keep getting like more problems. And if you successful, then like nothing is wrong, right? It's not true. Like it's even, it's, it's, it's weird, but it's even harder because like, you don't want to disappoint nobody. You don't want to disappoint your family. You don't want to disappoint like your fans, the people that you work with. You don't want them to feel like you got like an ego or something like that. And you just, you just going through all of this stuff and you like, damn, you kind of like, you, I guess you kind of search for your your balance of like remembering to or just remember yourself like to kind of just find time for yourself is kind of difficult like damn like is my life important um so that's 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 kind of why like charlemagne kobe talk about talk talk talks a lot about it about just like his mental approach i got his book mama mentality um i always go i'm always gonna say that like jordan is the greatest because of like his mentality like I know LeBron is skilled but like Jordan's mentality was like to just dominate you like it wasn't that he was like more skilled than you he was just gonna like dominate you he would he would win that mental battle yeah he would win that mental battle every time so um that's what it is like every day it's just like you can you get to choose every day you like wake up go to work go to school uh, your teacher could have a bad attitude towards you every single day. Your coach could every single day. But, like, you could choose to, like, let it affect you and let how they feel towards you become you. Or you can just be like, oh, I already know that's that's them being them. But, like, I'm still going to be me. And uh, that's kind of how I deal with it now. Man, when you were talking earlier about, you know, the more success you get, the more people start looking at it as, you know, you shouldn't have any problems. It's crazy because I just released an episode talking about just that because I was Man. listening to this uh this podcast, The Pivot, with Ryan, oh. Ryan Clark and some other guys. Well, I just only watched one episode. It was the Mike Beasley one. And he was talking about, you know, people look at these big time athletes as, you know, you shouldn't have anything wrong with you. Because most people have this assumption that, you know, because more often than not, more success equals more money. And so they're thinking, okay, you have all this money. You have all these material things. They assume that, oh, you shouldn't be bothered the way the average person is bothered by certain things going on in their life. And that's 100% bullshit. Mm -hmm. But we tend to forget the human aspect of everything. No matter how successful you are, at the end of the day, you're still human. And you go through all these different battles that someone else goes through. 
Uh, man, when you when you uh, you'll see, man, the more successful you become at anything, the more you gain. It's like the less. I don't know, man. It's, people just feel like it's your job to make them comfortable. Like it's your job to make sure that they get a picture with you, autograph, or hey, you did this for them. Like, well, what are you gonna do for me? Like, it's just like it's it's outrageous. Like, it's like this is this is not possible. Like, it's not possible to please everybody because if you make everybody happy, it's only because like you make yourself miserable. That makes sense. That right there is a huge fact, and. Yeah. That's what I was trying to tell a friend of mine recently because he's like, he does certain things because he doesn't want to make others feel disappointed, sad, whatever it is. But I'm like, bro, if you keep thinking about everyone else, sure, everyone else is going to be happy because you're doing all of this. But just like we, you said, you're going to be miserable. And a lot of times I don't like saying things like this because people might think I'm being selfish. But the reality of things are that at times you have to be selfish because if you don't put yourself first or if you don't actually value yourself, how can you expect the same from others? Yeah, I've been gone like 10 years. Uh, one of the things I remember most was just like he was like, just have a relationship with God. And I didn't like. I was young, like, I didn't understand what that shit meant, man. Like, we went to church all the time. Grandma, like, super religious. Grandfather, super religious, always talking about God, reading the Bible. Like, it just it wasn't hitting home. It wasn't hitting home for me, though. But, like, as he's, like, as he's been gone, like, I always kind of, like, find myself, like, sir, I, it, it sounds weird, but, like, I always want to just, like, look up in the crowd and, like, just see my dad one day. But, thing about like having a relationship with God is like that is what I have from losing my dad is just like knowing that like if I just have faith in God then like I can endure anything like the worst of the worst I can endure it you know what I'm saying like and no matter like how bad my life could be going that will always like that's not the end of the story like that's that's one of the things that is it sticks with me the most man because I'm like I'm 29, and like sometimes I'm like, like damn, I just wish that I had like I, I have like people that's like mentors and stuff, but like I had a dad, and sometimes I just wish I could just call him about all this stuff. But uh, now, I, since I can't, like I have to just like pray, like pray about it, talk to God about it, and then just like let it be in His hands. And then, however it turned out, like I'll be like, okay, well, this is what He wanted. This is what God wanted. Yeah, man, you you, you got to find some way to get through it yeah definitely and like i feel you with the dad part because my dad passed away about two years and a little bit more than two years and a half and and it's like you know certain things when they're here you don't realize their importance until they're gone and like the option Mm -hmm. to reach out to them for whatever it may be isn't there anymore yep and then you you gotta find a way yeah man but everybody have that. Everybody has that. Everybody has that uh had choice, you know, to believe or not believe. Yeah, yeah, it's all up to you. Not forcing anyone to do anything, you know. So 
you know, with your mental side of things, you also do yoga. Oh, yeah. How long have you been into yoga? Um, I want to say I feel like I started, I was going to, it's called Soul Sweat Yoga in Fort Worth. They had like a, <laughs> they had like a two-week unlimited yoga pass or something. I used to work out with uh, Miles Turner, the Pacers, and uh, his yoga instructor, Bridget. And she was the first one to introduce me to like aerial yoga with like the ropes. Um, and I was, I was like really intimidated by that the first time I saw it. But yeah, so the more I did it, like the easier, the easier it got. Like it got easier every single time. And like it's, the, it's and I, I always equate it to like life. Like life puts you in difficult situations and you can choose to get out of the pose, which is basically give up, or you can just sit there and suffer a little bit. And like, once you like suffer, you do the pose afterwards, like you grow and then you're able to like stretch a little bit more, like go a little bit deeper into the pose. And it's like the same thing with life. Like maybe I couldn't shoot threes at a certain point in my career, but should I just kept, kept working on it? Kept working on it, kept working on it, kept working on it. And now it's just kind of like second nature. And that's that's what a lot of things like speaking, like going back to like speaking, feeling comfortable enough to speak to people, um, to get up and like perform in front of people, like as an athlete or entertainer, like none of that shit is easy. But like if I can stretch my body out, I can definitely stretch my damn mind out. Never really thought about it like that. Like yeah. Many times you just look at yoga. I don't know if you had the same perception at first, but I feel like a lot of guys look at yoga and it's like, okay, that's something just for the women to do. And we look at it like, uh, nah. Or a lot of people yeah. just look at it as just stretching and they think it's a, it's a walk in the park. I personally never done it before, but I know that it isn't as easy as it looks. To me, it's just like... Uh... It's a meditation, man. It's, it's uh, I really like um, like the spirituality of things, and like you know the yoga, the yoga instructor. Like if you're taking the class, they always kind of like talking during the class about. They always kind of like it's almost like a, they giving you like a church sermon during the class. It's, you know what I'm saying? They always like saying little things during the class, like calm your breath, calm your body down, relax take a moment of gratitude. They're always saying something like that during the class. So like, I always try to think about whatever is like most difficult in my life at that point. Like while I'm doing this difficult ass pose, and I'm like, all right, if I can do this, then I think I can do that. That's one way to look at it. So I guess it's safe to say yoga is something you would recommend people get oh, into for sure. Definitely, man. Like one thing about Taiwan, I, I love that. People are like 70, 80 years old and you see them out here like active, like still walking around, exercising and stuff like that. I love seeing that. Like I just Yeah, walking at the parks, doing something at yeah, the parks. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this is this not like this in America. Um, so yeah, man, like keeping control of your body. The older you get, it's gonna just start breaking down, breaking down, breaking down. But the only fight against this is is some kind of activity. <laughs> Some kind of some kind of activity, man, like something. And uh, I like yoga. I, I, I like to try a lot of different stuff, man. I couldn't swim for a long time, and I finally learned how to swim 
Now I, so love I still got to learn. I still got to learn that part. <laughs> man, black people got to learn how to swim, man. This, we would have beat slavery if we could have swam. Ah, uh, shit. We would have been all right, man. But shit, we couldn't swim. Ah, uh, damn. Swim. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man. Yeah, yoga, man. Like, your, your significant other will appreciate you for taking yoga. Yeah, if you're an athlete, like your career definitely can be prolonged with yoga, just like your body, man. Like your body gonna appreciate you more when you take care of it. Yeah, for sure. If you don't take care of anything, you can't expect it to last. Yep. Man, well, I'll be wrapping this up now. But okay. before before we fully go, I'll just hit you with some quick fire questions to just straight off the top okay. of your head. Um, first one, a favorite quote of yours. Ooh. I just heard this yesterday. Your gift will make room for you. Okay. That makes sense. I'm trying, I'm trying to decipher. So, so like, okay. Uh I always like to think that like whatever, whatever life that you want, somebody is already living. You know what I mean? Like somebody already living like your ideal dream life. They've done it a whole hundred times over. And uh like if it's really meant for you and like you really kind of you just got this attitude, like, I don't care, like, what I'm going to have to do to, like, see this thing through. Like, you might not be able to be whatever it is you want to be or accomplish it, but, like, something will come from it. And that's what I mean by, like, your gift will make room for you. So, like, I right, right, take this, for example, right? Uh, if I use Giannis Antetokounmpo, Giannis is a max player, right? And anybody can have their own opinion about this. But I don't think his brother is good enough to be in the league. But I know if Giannis went in that, that boardroom and said, yeah, I'll sign with y'all, but only if y'all take my brother. That makes sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree with you on that part, though. 100%. <laughs> your, your gift will make room for you, man. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Facts, facts. Okay, next yeah. up. Who's in your pregame playlist? Oh, man, my pregame playlist has been... I ain't gonna lie, it's been it's been a mess lately, man. I try to make these little playlists and stuff, and lately it's just been it's been whack. Uh, last game, uh, you know who Griselda is? I'm gonna be honest, I don't. Okay, so Griselda is um, Benny the Butcher, Conway the Machine, and West Side Gun, and it's these three guys from uh, Buffalo, New York. Um, I believe they signed a Rock Nation, but it's kind of like. Uh, East Coast underground rap. Um, Ice Cube. I love Ice Cube. Like the old, like, 92 Ice Cube. The Predator, America's Most Wanted. Okay, okay. Um, that's just, like, easy to rap with. I like to, like, I like to, like, rap the shit. I, I gotta know the song to rap it. And if I can't, if I can't rap it, then I don't want to listen to it. If I can't, like, rap it word for word. Uh, Big Sean, Kendrick Lamar, uh, Fabulous, uh, two chains. I like two chains a lot. Um, yeah, that's a lot. That's, that's a bunch of guys. All right. Well, be sure to get that playlist in order, man. Can't be having it all out of the place. <laughs> <laughs> um. Next up is, what's one thing here in Taiwan that you like? Um. Let's see. Mm, it's a lot. One thing. Um, I guess it's it's so many like 
open mics out here. Like, I didn't, I guess maybe I just didn't know about them when I was at home, but like, it's like, you can go comedy, open mic, music, open mic. If you're an artist, you know how to play an instrument, you can go. It's so many places where you can just go and play. Uh, that's just kind of like, like, Taiwan have a lot of like freedoms. You know what? Nah, this is what I'll say. And I did this when I was in Shanghua, when I was with the Dreamers, and when, like while I'm here in Linko. The safety. Like you can walk around at night and not worry about a thing. Oh man, you know that, what I'm saying? That, like that part, that part. It's so quiet at night sometimes. Like I'm like, yo, is this real? Like that for me. Like that for me is it's it's so it's it's so peaceful, man. Like it's so peaceful. That's something where that. no matter where you come from, I feel like anywhere but Taiwan, you don't get yeah. this. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, Taiwan is. Uh, I like to say Taiwan is a simulation, man. But I appreciate <laughs> the peace, though. The peace of it. Yeah, you can walk around, earphones in, no worries. Yeah, no worries, man. Like I don't think it's the same for for women as it is for men. But yeah, as a man, I just walk around. And yeah, for sure. Women, women don't get the same. Yeah, privilege as we do in this sense when it comes to safety. But when you compare it to back home, it's still way safer for women as well. So, yeah. And well, last but not least, where can the people find you on social media? Uh, they can find me at Catch You on the Rebound. Uh, I have another page. It's it's the biggest game. That's like my music page. Uh, Twitter official BGJ. Uh, YouTube Catch You on the Rebound. Facebook is just my name, Jordan, Jordan Wayne Tolbert. And, uh, I have a TikTok, but I, I haven't really, I'm not a fan of TikTok. I ain't even gonna lie. I just, <laughs> I'm, I really, yeah, I, I don't like TikTok. <laughs> yeah, I, I have one too, but I don't really use it. So it's just, it's just there. I'm gonna place the links in the description to make the people find these accounts easier. But man, once again, I really appreciate you taking the time out to get this done. The only day off you have squeezing in some time to get this done. I really appreciate it. No doubt, man. I appreciate it too, man. I, sh- I needed, I needed it. I needed to, to talk out all these things I've been dealing with. You know, so. <laughs> you don't even know, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, man, all the best for the rest of the season. And I'm going to catch you guys on the next episode. Peace. <laughs>